put up your right hand and repeat after me. I have the life of God in me. And I have the love of God in me. I have his nature. And I have his ability. Therefore, 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 I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Change my life. Manifest yourself in me this morning. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want to talk to you about, it seems as it is Good Friday, and I had a title before, it's, yeah, usually I get them afterwards, but this one was a before, then I filled in the blanks. His blood's for you. Amen. His blood is for you and me. Amen. So um, a lot of my reading today is going to be out of the uh, New Living, so just to give you a heads up there and a warning. Messages coming in from heaven. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What did he say, Joanne? Was it for us? <laughs> Are you flourishing already? Woo! Come on, I think that's awesome. Okay, so turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. Are you here? 37 to 39, please! Oh my goodness. It's some quietness Presbyterian church this morning. <laughs> Let me know when you're there. Say, woo! Thank you. It says, on that last day, the climax, climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who was thirsty may come to me. Anyone who was thirsty may come. Are you thirsty? Yes. Yes, we can come. Amen. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water for, will flow from his heart. In the King James, it says, from his belly. When he said living water, he is speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Now drop down to John chapter 6, verse 35. Please. Jesus replied, I am, I love that, I am, and he could have put a period right there, I am whatever you need to, me to be am, amen, but he said, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me will never hungry again, well, will never be hungry again, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, but you haven't believed in me, uh, though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. Isn't that good to know you'll never be rejected? Come on, on this Good Friday, know that the fact, hey, it's a fact, I will never reject them. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of those he's given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. Mm -mm -mm. Verse 40, for it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life and I'll raise them up at the last day. That is some good living right there. Verse 47, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Period. Anyone who believes, we're believers here. That means we get eternal life. What is that? That's living forever and ever and ever and ever. 
and ever. The God kind of life. Living good. Living large. He said, verse 48, yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness and they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. He didn't say so that Christians could live. He said so that the world can live. That means the whole world's got an opportunity. The whole world is not just for us few and no, and no more. The whole world has an opportunity. Verse 52, then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Carnal. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. 55, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh, drinks my blood, remains in me and I in him. Verse 57, I live because the living father who sent me in the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. So if you feed on him in the beginning was a word, the word was with God and the word was God. You Come on now. Eat it. Just eat it. Come on now. You got it. Verse 58. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate manna, but will live forever. How many times did he say you're going to live forever? Live forever. Live forever. Everlasting. He's trying to get a point across. This is not it. This is not it. John chapter 4, verse 10. He was talking to the woman at the well, but this, this goes with alongside with what we're talking about here. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you, if you only knew the gift God has for you, if you only knew the gift that God has for you, come on, you would move any mountain to get to what he's got for you. You would do whatever it takes to get what he's got for you, if you only knew. And he's trying to get it to you. 66 chapters of this book. Woo, don't break it. He said, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask, and I would give you living water. His blood is for you. John 4, 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. That's why he said, is anybody thirsty? Is anybody? Come drink of me. Uh, uh, uh. He said, they will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spirit. Uh, spring within them, giving them eternal life. A, a bubbling, <laughs> sound like Dana, a bubbling? <laughs> a bubbling, <laughs> not you, her. Uh, <laughs> ever hear? Say blueberry, go ahead. All right, anyways. <laughs> I got you, I told you I would. All right, uh, a bubbling spring that keeps on going. It doesn't stop. Everlasting. It's just going to keep on going and going and going. John chapter 6, verse 60, please. So what is he saying? 
He wants you to hang out with him. Drink freely from the wells of eternal life. Drink salvation in that well. There's healing in that well. There's prosperity in that well. There's deliverance in that well. There's whatever it is you need in that well. But all you got to do is drink. He's asking for commitment. But look at this. Uh, John 6, verse 60, please. Many of the disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Typical. Jesus was aware that his disciples, disciples were complaining. He didn't say the people of the world were complaining. His disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Does it offend you? You sound quiet. What happened? <laughs> Good thing I'm my own. If I close my eyes, it was like, okay, where'd everybody go? <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> you're drinking? Okay. Does this offend you? Verse 62. Then what do you think? If you see the Son of Man ascend to, uh, ascend to heaven, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Human effort accomplishes nothing. No thing. Nothing works. And the very words I have spoken unto you are spirit and life, but some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. And he still served them. What the heck? Come on, if you know somebody's going to betray you, and you want to still be friends with them? Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to slap that. Come on. Put yourself in that situation. He knew right from the beginning. And still he was there when all the miracles happened. Why? Because he was giving him opportunity. Opportunity. Come on, man. You don't have to do this. Get it together. He gives everybody an opportunity. Mm, mm, mm. Verse 65. Then he said, that is why I said people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. His disciples turned away and deserted him. Why? Because he was asking for commitment. Come on. This church, we're committed. We're committed, church. People are here when the doors are open. People are come when the doors are closed. Praise the Lord. They're just, just committed. <laughs> Why? Because we're committed to one another. And, and it, it shows. And, and you can tell. That's why people, out in the, they're out in the foyer hugging it out because it's like, oh, man, how you been? I haven't seen you in a week. What's going on? Let's catch up. Got to catch up. <laughs> so how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> but it's cool. Because when you get like that, then when you miss a couple of Sundays, where you been? So, you do one of those Christian, um, Christian concern looks. Put the face on. <laughs> How are you? See, care and concern. The face, though. How are you? No, we're committed to one another. And the thing is, see, part of that commitment is if you don't show up for a couple of weeks, we, we're committed enough to give you a call and say, hey, what's up? Where you at? And we need to. Yeah, if you don't see somebody that, that you're regularly in touch with all the time and say, okay, you know what? How are you doing? Uh, you know, is, is everything cool? If you're not, then, you know, we can pray. 
But if you are, and you're just taking a break. Well, that's cool, too. But just, you know, communicate with me. Let me know where you is. So at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And Jesus turned to the 12. Are you also going to leave? He didn't care. He's just like, hey. (laughs) Calling for commitment. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Settle the matter. We believe and know. And that should be our running uh, uh, mantra, if, if you will. We believe and know. All of his promises are yes and in him, amen. Why? Because we believe and know. That word know is having uh, experiential experience. We have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And he's so good, he can't help himself. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. It's John chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 20. Because, again, this is all surrounding, um, leading up to Jesus going to the cross. And, and, uh, what he did and how he felt and where his headspace was. Uh, in verse 20 in the Passion, it says, Now there were a number of foreigners from among the nations who were worshipers at the feast. They went to Philip, who came from the village of Bethsaida in Galilee, and they asked him, Would you take us to see Jesus? We want to see him. So Philip went to find Andrew, and they both went to inform Jesus. That was the question. Jesus, these people want to see you. And look at Jesus' answer, verse 23. Jesus replied to them, now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. What? We said to you, these people want to see you, Jesus. And his answer to them, now is the Son of Man glorified? Did you hear my request for these people? They want to see you. But he, his mind was not there on these people. His mind was on his mission. He replied to them, now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. And because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. Verse 25, the person who loves his life and pampers himself will will miss true life, but the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me, and you will go where I'm going. Listen to this. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. When God showers his favor upon your life, I'm telling you, you are going to get wet. Oh, yeah. And his showers are continual. They don't stop. His showers of favor, blessing, absolutely everything good, nothing missing, nothing wanted, nothing needed. Come on. 
It's like God poured on me. Woohoo! And verse 27, even though I am torn within and my soul is in turmoil, I will not ask the Father to rescue me from this hour of trial. I won't do it. For I have come to fulfill my purpose to offer myself to God. So, Father, bring glory to your name. Then suddenly a booming voice was heard from the sky. I have glorified my name and I will glorify it through you again. Isn't that something? He said, I'm going to do it again. Again. He wants to glorify his name through you again. He's an again God. The audible voice of God startled the crowd standing nearby. Some thought it was only thunder, yet others said an angel just spoke to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice you heard was not for my benefit, but for yours, to help you believe. And from this moment on, everything in this world is about to change. Isn't that something? From this moment, right now, everything in this world is about to change. This is where Jesus is, and he, he hit the launch button. He said, for the ruler of this dark world will be overthrown. And I will do this when I am lifted off the ground. He knew what was going on. And when I draw the hearts of people to gather them to me, and he said this to indicate uh, that he would die by being lifted upon the cross. Now let's go to Deuteronomy, please, chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21. That's something. From this moment on, everything in this world is about to change. From that moment, from when he said it. So in Deuteronomy 21, verses 22 and 23, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death, he is put to death. And if you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land, which is uh, which, with which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged on a tree is accursed by God. He who is hanged on a tree is cursed. John chapter 3, please. We're back to the New King James. John chapter 3. Verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the reason why. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How many times have we talked about everlasting life so far in this last half hour? Amen. Come on, he's trying to get something to us and through us. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he's trying to get us to that point where it's like, hey, you know what? I'm on a mission here. John chapter 8, please. John chapter 8, 
Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my father taught me, I speak these things. He who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. And he spoke these words. Many believed in him. Many, not just a few. Galatians 3.13, we know this one. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that, so that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. He was on a mission. Jesus was on a mission. 1 Peter 2.24, it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree? Huh. He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were, you were healed. You were. Past tense. Already done. Listen to this. Go to um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 in the New Living Translation. Is it ever cool? What a cool verse. It's so, so good. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners. Why? To bring you safely home to God. Isn't that good? He died to bring you safely home. Safe. Sliding in the home plate. No tie goes to the run. We're just safe. Huh. All right. Matthew chapter 26. It's one of my favorite portions. As we can see this, we, and we can see ourselves in this. Matthew uh, 26, verse 6. Let me know when you're there. Okay. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, poured it on his head and he, as he sat at meat or dinner. And when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Carnal. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she has worked a good thing upon me. For you have, you have the poor always with you. There will always be poor. But me you have not always. For in this he, she has poured this ointment on my body. She did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman has done, be told for memorial of her. And that's just one of those stories that the alabaster box, and I was thinking about that. Um, we have a treasure in an earthen vessel, which would be our alabaster box. So when we take it and break it and pour it over Jesus, you pour your lives out over him. You pour your lives out to him and saying, okay, you know what, Lord? I'm yours. You're mine. 
We're in this together now. The alabaster box, very costly. What is more costly than your own soul? What is more costly than who you are? And you're going to take it and you're going to break that and just say, Jesus, I pour this over your head today. I pour myself out to you today. Good Friday. What an opportunity to do that. Last time Shirley was talking, she was talking about um, me coming back. It happened on a Good Friday. And, and the cool thing about this, my dad was the son of a preacher, but he really didn't go to church because they, like, church was thrown down his throat. So he said, I'm not going to deal with any of that. And so, but on, on Good Friday and Easter weekend, he'd always make us watch something holy on TV. Watch something holy. <laughs> he wouldn't, but he'd make sure we did. So, um, Shirley left with the kids. And she was gone. Oh, my goodness. Um, at least the shape that I was in, she was gone for almost three weeks before I knew she was gone. And um, so Good Friday came. And I heard my dad's voice. Why something holy? <laughs> so I turned on the TV. And it was Kenneth Copeland. And he was talking, then he stopped, and he, and, and he had that, <clears throat> that finger, and it went right through the TV into my chest. And he said, I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I'm telling you right now, this is your last opportunity. You need to get your life together. Oh, yeah. So I did. I knew, I, and when he was doing that, I could feel my, <laughs> man, that finger reaches, you know. And so I did. And ever since then, it's been progressively better, 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 better. And when I made the decision to um, reconnect, because I used to, like, I used to go to church with my grandfather. And because he was a pastor. And I used to tell him when I was like six, seven years old, I want to be like you when I grow up. Your words have, have value. Your words, your words. And so um, I had the opportunity to preach in the same church my grandfather preached at, which was amazing. Messed me up for the first five minutes when I stood there because, you know, you're at the pulpit that he was at, and then whoosh, all of the stuff starts flashing back. And it was just like, oh, my goodness, look at this. How good is God? How good is God? So Good Friday for me is huge. It's almost like a birthday. So when I was going to church with my grandfather, they were always given... Um, Altar calls every Sunday, right? And I would miss one because I didn't want to miss God. Oh, yeah, like every week. I'm, <laughs> anybody want to get a saved? <laughs> hey, sign me up. 
And, you know, and, and uh, so for the longest time, I was uh, pretty sanctified. Then I started going to school. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> then I became a musician. You'll have to read the magazine. Praise the Lord. Anyways. No, no, there's a magazine out that had my pictures and life story and all that. And, and that was, you know, how cool God was. We just started coming to the church and they, um, they put that magazine out. What, two months after we started going? I think something like two to three months after we started going. And so that's been close to, what, 28, 29 years ago. And who knows, like, and I, I'll send that article around to different people and stuff and the, <laughs> because, of the, because of the pictures. They're going, wow, is that you? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> that was me. Not anymore. Anyways, praise the Lord. Um, <sighs> alabaster box. Poured it out. Mm-mm-mm. So let's go to Luke chapter 22, please. Hallelujah. Luke 22. We're still dealing with Jesus and his mission. Uh, in verse 41, uh, it says, And Jesus was withdrawn from them about a stone, so and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, and he knew what his will was, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, if you're going to pray one of those wills, prayers, put in nevertheless. Because we want his will for our lives. Amen. So there should be a whole lot of neverthelesses coming out. <laughs> Nevertheless. Not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. So think about that. When you answer a nevertheless prayer with not my will, but yours be done, Expect some, some supernatural strength to come upon you to get you through, especially if it's a hard, tough decision. You can, it happened with Jesus. He's no, God is no respecter of persons. If he did it to one, he's got to do it to others. So when you come up with a tough decision like that, you can expect supernatural strength from heaven to hit you. Come on. If we were able to do it on our own, we wouldn't have to do it nevertheless. We wouldn't need Jesus. But we need him. Oh, do we need him? Yes. It said that an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer, he came to his disciples. And when he found them sleeping from sorrow, he said unto them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And while he was still speaking, behold, uh, a multitude who was called, uh, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before him and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. And Jesus said to him, Judas, Really? Really? Are you serious right now? You're going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Could you imagine the look in Jesus' eyes? How many times have those guys walked the roads together? 
How many times did they, come on, they broke bread together. They performed miracles all together. And then all of a sudden he's going to kiss him. The kiss of death. Ultimate betrayal. In verse 19, verses 1 to 3, it says, So Pilate took Jesus and he scourged him. The soldiers twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head. They put him in a purple robe. Then they said, Oh, hail, king of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. They punched him out. In the Living Bible, it says, Then Pilate laid open Jesus' back. Laid open his back. You know, we saw the Passion of the Christ, that movie, but compared to what really happened, and I don't know if you could even, I don't know if they could even make that in movie land, but, you know, if your back is laid open, that means, like, everything is, like, there's nothing, there's nothing, right? Um, Mark chapter 15, in verse 16, then the soldiers led Jesus away into the hall called Praetorium, uh, and they called together the whole garrison. They clothed him with purple, twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, began to salute him. Hail, hail, king of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. There was a time when we were over at, um, I think it was at Thornhill, and somebody brought back a, one of those thorns from, um, from Israel. These thorns were like this long, and the edge, the end of it was like a needle. So they twisted this crown of thorns into Jesus' head. Then it says that they took a reed and they pounded it in him. They pounded his head, driving these thorns into his head. So if you're dealing with headaches, he's taking that pain. Anything to do with your head, he's taking that. It said they clothed him with purple, twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, began to salute him, hail king uh, of the Jews. They struck him on the head with a reed, spat on him. Have you ever been spit on? Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> you would know. <laughs> you put somebody to sleep. Don't you spit on me. Oh. <laughs> They spat on him, bowing the knee. They worshipped him. When they mocked him, they took the purple, uh, took the purple robe off of him. Okay, your back's been laid open. They put this purple robe on you. Your back starts to congeal. When they go to take the purple robe off of you, yeah, yeah, yeah. They took it off of him, put his own clothes on him, and let him out to crucify him. He did that for us. For the joy that was set before him. He endured all that. It's horrible. And he just didn't for, do, do it for his blue ribbon sheep little Christians. He did it for the whole world. Isaiah 53. Amplified. Listen to this. Who has believed, trusted in, and relied upon, and clung to our message of that which is revealed unto us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been disclosed? For the servant of God grew up before him like a tender plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or comeliness, royalty, 
a royal kingly pomp that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. But he was despised, rejected, and forsaken by men, a man of sorrow and pain, acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. We did not appreciate his worth or have any self or have any esteem for him, but surely he has borne our griefs sicknesses, weakness, and distresses, carried our sorrows and pains of punishment, yet we ignorantly uh, considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities, the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him, and with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed. And made whole. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has made to light upon him the guilt and the iniquity of us all. God laid that on him. It's amazing stuff. In Exodus uh, chapter 12, uh, verses 21 to 24, Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families. Kill the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood that is in the basin. His blood is for you. Strike the lintel and the doorpost with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians when he sees the blood. His blood is for you. When he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over and not allow, not allow, no entrance. Not allow a destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. When he sees the blood. Make much of the blood. That's why we, we made much of the blood today. Come on. When the angel sees the blood, no harm. No harm. No nothing. <laughs> Hallelujah. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Apply the blood, apply the word. Power twins, the blood and the word works every time you apply it. I get this. I, I got this out of a, um, it was a commentary. And it said, we access the blood by doing the same thing that they did in the Old Testament. We have to apply it. But under the New Testament, we apply it with the words of our mouths. The scripture says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That means your life and your death are in the power of your tongue. We must make it a point that our words line up with the word of God. We access the throne of God with our words. What is prayer? Prayer is our words accessing the throne of God. Sound, sounds right. The cross is where we see the convert. Listen to this. The cross is where we see the convergence of a great suffering and God's forgiveness. Psalms 85.10 in the Passion, it says, Your mercy and your truth have married each other. Mercy and truth have married each other. I love that. Your righteousness and peace have kissed. 
This sings of the day when righteousness and peace will kiss each other. The cross of Jesus is where that occurred, where God's demands, his righteousness coincided with his mercy. We receive divine forgiveness, mercy, peace, because Jesus willfully and willingly took our divine punishment, the result of God's righteousness against sin. For the joy that was set before him, he did it for us. Jesus endured the cross on Good Friday, knowing it led to his resurrection and our salvation and the beginning of God's reign of righteousness and peace. Woo! That's good news. Come on, we can get happy on a Good Friday. And we should. There are seven sayings that Jesus said on the cross. Number one, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Number two, Truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. Today you can be with him in paradise if you don't know him. I made that decision. 29 Good Fridays ago. And each year is just as fresh as the last time. Amen. I like this. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. This expression offers us hope for salvation. If we turn our hearts and prayers to him, accept his forgiveness, we, we will also be with Jesus Christ right away. Number three, woman, this is your son. And he said to the disciple, this is your mother. Jesus entrusted the most important thing in his life to the disciple that Jesus loved. He said, look after my mama. Wow, that's huge. That is huge. Number four, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was separated from his father. Think about that. From before the beginning of time. Because you can almost get a grasp on living forever and ever and ever. But think of when time started before that, ever and ever and ever, going that way. They were always together. Then all of a sudden, now there's going to be a time where they have to be separated. You know what kids are like when they're separated from their parents, the little ones, for like two minutes. <laughs> Screaming memes. Come on. Anybody that's a parent, that's probably all of us, went with that, dealt with that. Number four, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Number five, I thirst. And listen to this. It says, and he, Jesus thirsts for the love and salvation of his people, the human race. This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That's what he was thirsting for. Us. Thirsting for us. Number six. Jesus said, it is finished. The sixth word is Jesus' recognition that his suffering is over, his task completed. Number seven, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Jesus was obedient to his father to the end. His final word before his death on the cross was a prayer to his father. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Jesus Christ fulfills his own mission 
and that of his father on the cross. Why? For God so loved you. That's why I put on that sign out there in the front. God so loved you. That's why his blood is for you. We sing those songs, uh, the blood of Jesus washes white as snow. The blood will never lose his power. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, we can face today. We can keep moving. Don't stop. If you trip, get up. It's like football. If you're going to fall, fall forward and take somebody with you. (laughs) Amen. That's what we do. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.